0: Welcome to The Red Podcast, a place where bold, inspired, outrageously courageous, and just a tad bit naughty women leaders come together. I'm Elaine Kalila, and I'm the founder of the Priestess Presence Temple, a sisterhood of over 80,000 women. For the past 25 years, I've had the great pleasure and privilege of supporting, inspiring, catalyzing, and initiating women to remember who they are. The Red Podcast is a place where you can come to lean into your edges, listen for that which yearns to be expressed more fully through you, and to say yes to the places that probably scare you. More importantly, I'm going to be talking with some amazing women who are spiritual and grounded, and we're going to be chatting about what it takes for each one of us to step into the legacy of our purpose and fully bring it to the world that we're here to co-create. Your presence is a gift, so I say bring it. We're here to listen to your Red, your leading edge, that place of evolution within you. Hope you enjoy the conversations. Well, hello, hello there, my loves. Welcome back to a brand new season of the Red Podcast. I have been on a little bit of a hiatus since the launch of the Magdalene Rose Oracle in July. And um, now I am coming back to you with a brand new season of sharing from the heart, sharing from the red women, the edge of the evolutionary impulse within us to give birth not only to ourselves, but an entirely new world and consciousness. And, you know, I I've <laughs> have to laugh because this year has been one of leaving no stone unturned. This is my epitaph for the year as we come into the last quarter, as we head from fall equinox into the Samhain, into winter solstice, this closing of the year. It really does feel like this is the year where no stone was left unturned. And I'm going to be speaking into that a bit for this podcast episode today. In my other world over at Priestess Presence Temple and School of the Sacred Arts, we're getting ready to open up registration and enrollment for next year's Mystery School trainings. So if that is of interest to you and you are called to deepen your training in the art and craft of the priestess or in your personal initiation path or to learn about the path of the priestess, then I would call you to go and visit us. You can find us on Facebook at Priestess Presence Temple or on Instagram at Priestess Presence. It's a lot going on. So today, today we are diving into a topic that has become dear to my heart this year, which is defining, refining, carving out, etching out this place inside of us for those of us who are in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, who are going through this elusive, pretty damn major, wild ride that's called perimenopause into menopause. Okay, the reason I've been so focused here is really to do with the connection between this rite of passage, this physical, emotional psychological and spiritual rite of passage that we as women go into in our late 40s and early 50s through to our 60s. And the correlation between that and the calling of us into a new kind of power, a new way of sourcing our power, a new way of seeing ourselves, and what I have been really wrangling with and dreaming into, which is another phase of archetypal empowerment. So we have this model that we were given by the triple goddess many, many thousands of years ago, which is, you know, recorded in history in many, many different cultures where we see the three faces of the goddess. We see her in her maiden form, This is the form that's connected into menarchy, our first blood, our first experience of coming into our womanhood as a young woman, moving from child to maiden. And all that that brings to us. And then, of course, we have the mother phase, where we often see the mother depicted as one who is pregnant, who's fecund, who's the blossoming, the ripening, the full bloom of the beauty of our ability to be able to birth things into the world. And then we have the crone, the corona of light, one who has distilled her wisdom into actualized wisdom, lived wisdom, who is entering into that phase of life where she is letting go of who she has been and all of her um, creatrix energy and starting to sit in the position of the wise elder. And so this is the map that we have been given through ancient civilizations up until this moment in history, in her story. And this map denotes that um, these three phases kind of make up not just obviously our linear lives, but are a fractal of the life, death, and rebirth cycle that we go through from birth to death through every cycle of our menstruation, right? That 29-day cycle with the moon, from new moon to full moon, back to new moon, that goes on every day. (laughs) When we go from, um, you know, twilight in the evening through the night, through to dawn, through to the day, these marking points, right? We are governed by this cyclical time, kairos time, time that spirals. And so we can understand our lives, and I think that this is really powerful, right? We can understand our lives in a linear way from birth to death. And then we can also understand our lives not going across a linear timescale at all, but being circular, spiraling in and out of different phases of our own development. And this is to a large degree, what the Magdalene Rose Oracle deck is all about is about that journey of the sacred rose and how the rose has held throughout history this kind of dream journey of how we go from seed to full bloom and back to seed, or in the Venus journey, how Inanna goes as queen of the heaven to queen of the underworld and the seven gateways that she goes through disrobing herself and right now. Actually, as I'm recording this, Venus is on her descent journey and she has gone from the crown to the third eye. It means that she's at the second gateway into the underworld and we're going to be going into this journey through the dark of winter this year where um, Venus is in that journey, creating an opportunity for us to be in a let-go. So all this to say... The, the cycles of our lives is something I have been pretty much obsessed with since I was a kid. And I can remember the very first time that I kind of understood the fractal nature of these cycles from the very personal level of my own body, my own breath, my own experience of day, night, my own experience of the the monthly journey, the moonly journey, and then the, the wheel of the year— and then extrapolating it out into the cycles of civilizations, of birth and death of civilizations, whether that is the ones that we look at in terms of Egyptian or Greek or even the Roman um, civilization that we're in, some could argue and I would agree, that we're in the end times of that Roman civilization that has been here for over 2,000 years, probably closer to 3,000 years, as the primary sort of organizing concept and principle of patriarchy that has dominated the world global stage, right? We're at the end of a cycle and a lot of what we're being called to as women who are being called into various different shapes and forms of leadership is to redefine who we are outside of the gaze or the the waters that we've been swimming in of patriarchy, which of course is incredibly important, important, but also incredibly difficult mm-hmm. because we actually are formed by those waters. So what I find to be really fascinating in relocating the divine feminine and the importance of the kairos time or circular time or the fractals of these cycles that we go through is that it's much closer into our lived experience being in our bodies. So all that to say that where I've been and where I've been in conversation with so many women in the last year of my life is around defining or giving language to, which is one of the things I am so committed to within the work of the priestess and the sacred women, holy women, is that this phase between mother and crone is one that is being birthed through us. It's a, if you will, a new archetype or a reclamation of an archetype. I'm not sure that there are ever really truly new archetypes. I think that there are reorganization of archetypes because archetypes are actually living psychic organs. That's how Jung described them. And if we can get inside of that for a moment, they are living in the sense that they're dynamic. They're not fixed within one meaning. In other words, the for example, if we go to the archetype of the mother, the great mother, she is depicted differently all over the world. There are some things that are universal and true to her within every culture. And then there are nuances and differences within how she's perceived. And more important than that. place that she holds in our psyche, who the Great Mother is as a character, a living embodiment of the Mother within us. So what I mean by that is that archetypes don't exist outside of us as much as they do inside of us. Yes, they're a living psychic organ of the collective consciousness, but they also come to fruition through us, through our embodiment of them, And what does that mean? That word embodiment is so laden. For me, what it means is understanding this notion that we are vessels (laughs) in our humanity, living out these different energies and frequencies that are defined as archetypes, and that they shape us. And they also teach us, and they also initiate us. And when we come to the embodiment of an archetype, we start to tap into something that's a collective power, if you will, that's beyond the scope of our personal ego personality consciousness, but actually collectively goes into something much more powerful, that is a language that is shared, a language that is collectively experienced, it's symbolic, And with that, the archetypes become bridges between our humanity and the greater collective, or what we might call the divine aspect of who we are. So the Great Mother gives us access into this aspect of the divine that is expressed through Great Mother, or the Goddess of Compassion gives us access to that unconditional love of the divine through our humanity, but founded in the marriage between the divine and the human. So archetypes are incredibly powerful. And the reason that I wanted to start this episode off with an exploration into the nature of this archetype that lives between mother and crone is I think that many of us are here in our 40s, 50s, and 60s as a generation that's birthing or bringing into consciousness this constellation of an archetype that defines, or maybe for the first time in a really long time, thousands of years perhaps, defines and denotes a kind of feminine power that we haven't seen in our world. And what I mean by that is not that it hasn't been present, it hasn't been named, it hasn't been valued, it hasn't been seen as worthy, and it hasn't been something that we have been consciously initiated into. So what is this archetype that I'm speaking about? Who is this, this um, place in consciousness that exists between mother and crone? And I really want us to sit in it for a moment, because there is a place that we are defining as a rite of passage, that as you leave motherhood, as you leave your active years of being a generatrix or a creatrix, in the sense of through your womb into the world, literally your children, but also your projects, also the things that you have birthed into being, that you enter into a phase, and I'm going to call this, phase, this archetypal phase, the phase of the sovereign queen, the phase of the empress. I've also heard others call it the maga, um, the maga or the magician, the archetype of the one who is the adept, who's become masterful in her own governance of herself. There is this phase of power, embodied power, that I believe is everything to do with being perimenopausal, intermenopaused. And it happens during this shift. And it's a lot, a lot of shifts that happen. Now, I want you to take a moment to locate yourself. Where are you in your own cycle? Because maybe you're still actively cycling. Maybe you are deep in the shift. Maybe you have already reached the end of the perimenopause and are now complete with that bleeding and you're in, fully in, to this new phase of, I'm going to call her the queen, the sovereign queen, although I love the word empress and I love the word maga. Maga obviously connecting us into the Magdalene, of course. I'm going to speak a bit more about that in a minute and why I love that term. But what I think we can all agree on is it is a power spot. It is a time of power, of authentic power as a woman, where you're no longer biologically coded to give birth, where you are sitting in the position of coming to your own throne, your own inner empress nature, your own sitting in the resplendence of everything that you've already lived in your life. It is not the actualized wisdom of the crone yet in that way, of the corona of light, one who sits and receives her acolytes or her students or those who are coming to her to receive her darshan of wisdom, but it is a position where there is a wielding of the sword of discernment, There is a wielding of the staff of attunement. There is a placing upon one's head, the crown of everything that you have traveled through this lifetime. There is a rooting into the sovereign throne, to knowing where your center point is, to letting go of the things that no longer serve you, that you will no longer have present in your life, to new kinds of boundaries, to a new sense of centeredness in your own power, authentic power. Now I want to give a bit of backstory to this. So I've been, as you know, I've been talking about this, it feels like forever, but I've literally been in my perimenopausal phase for nine years now. It is a very long journey and I was just having a a conversation yesterday with my dearest sister who's an acupuncturist and she's been working with me because it has been a potent year of traveling through the physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological shifts that are taking place inside of me. And, um, in fact, some of the conversations I have in this season are to do this, do with this, and so stay tuned for that. But one of the pieces that we were sitting with, which I think is so absolutely fascinating, and I would like you to reflect on this with me, and I'd like to hear from you about this. So I was reflecting with her because... As you all know, I did not have a birth child this lifetime. I did not give birth to a child through my womb. And I had a question for her, and she's been an acupuncturist in women's health for many, many, many years. And I said to her, do you think there's a correlation between the fact that I didn't have a physical child and the fact that at 55, I am still not complete through my perimenopause? Now this is the irony, (laughs) I thought I was, I felt that I had completed and I'd had seven months of not having a moon time and then just last week I had a moon time and I went to her and I was kind of irritated about it and what she turned to me and she said, she said, this is excellent, we've been working towards moving stagnation through your body and you weren't complete. Then she went on to invite me into an understanding about how acupuncture and certainly the deepest reservoirs of acupuncture and spiritual acupuncture believes and posits these nodal points in our body where, you know, yes, there's the physical attribute, but there's also deeply spiritual and lineage-based attributes to different points on your body. And what she then said to me made so much sense. She said, you know, you're not done birthing your lineage through yet. Your body is not complete with birthing through your lineage. And I kind of laid there when she said that, and I got, you know, when you get one of those chills, move up your own body. And what I understood from what she was saying was that because I didn't have a physical child this lifetime, and for those of you who haven't, I invite you into this this idea, this possibility, this musing about the magic of our bodies, that I am actually birthing through for my ancestors things that they could not birth into being through themselves that I have become a womb of healing and generation and creation for my matrilineal lineage that actually couldn't, and that much of what I have worked with in myself this lifetime has been the unmanifest dreams and desires of my own mother and her mother and her mother before her. And this is probably true for many of us and that actually my work in the world has been largely to do with supporting women, like you probably, who are stepping out of lineages of deep grief and loss of their mother's dreams, the inability that we've had under the patriarchal oppressive rule of the last two to three thousand years which has placed women in such a demeaned place in consciousness in the reality of our world and in, in how we see ourselves in our sense of worthiness and our sense of being um of having a role within society of having power of having money of being able to own property of being able to participate uh, uh, right across the gamut when we really think about it and we really feel into the collective wound That our mothers, and their 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 mothers, mothers, our great-great-great-great-grandmothers carried. And this is not to say that none of them got to manifest on their dreams, because that's not true either, because there have been feisty women throughout history, maybe some of them are in your lineage, who manifested on their dreams, and we can bow to them as being the ones that we carry the medicine of, that we carry the power of. It's not like our entire lineages were disempowered because of the system of patriarchy and oppression. But what is true in late-stage patriarchy for my family is that the ravages of a social-economic system of not having choice, of being beaten down, of the Sheer level of mental illness and physical illness in my mother line, I know for sure that my mother and her mother and her mother and her mother mother before that were locked into patterns of servitude. They were serving classes, and I believe probably I could trace that back at least 700 years in my mother's line that they were scullery maids and housekeepers and, you know, groomsmen and worked in the gardens of the great big houses. They were the underlings, the serving classes. And what I saw inside of my mother's body and mind and heart was the ravages of being unable to live out her dreams. My mother contracted cancer at 19 years old, and I don't believe that that was something that she carried alone. I think it was passed down to her. I think it was an expression of a level of stuckness, a level of grief at the unmanifest dreams. And so I think that there is a personal story here that I'm telling, but there's also a collective story. And to go back to what my acupuncturist witchy priestess sister, as she was working on my body, was transmitting to me, was that this phase between mother and crone, where we are stepping into our potency as powerful, embodied, sovereign queens, empresses, magas, is one where we are also stepping into the potential of a very deep and potent healing of lineage as our wombs move from co-creation into holding the blood inside. And however long this transition takes, we are alchemizing, we are birthing into being that which could not be birthed through our mothers and their mothers. And I take this deeply into my heart because what has become clear for me in this phase of my life is I'm revisiting the, the place inside of me that has a question about not having chosen to have birth children this lifetime. And I say chosen loosely because it was something that didn't happen for my body and I assumed that I couldn't have children until suddenly I became pregnant. But what is here is the last vestiges of the of what could be calcified into regret but really is just a level of grief. And sadness for not having had the experience of a birth child and not belonging to that vast club of mothers. And for those of you who are like me and did not have children for whatever reason, I'm just wrapping you inside my swan win- wings right now because it's a very specific role to play in your community, in your life, to be one who is not a birth mother. And I want to say more about that because for me, my perimenopausal, intermenopause journey is, of course, intimately connected into that question of letting go. And whilst I'm 55 years old and clearly... Not having a baby through this body, there is some level up at which my own womb is not quite done with birthing her lineage, her legacy into being. And this is reflected in my life, both metaphorically and practically, in terms of my relationships, my business, my dharma, my calling. And I think secretly a part of me wants to be done because everybody else in my life was done at least five years earlier than me. And it feels like I am, <laughs> I have a lot of jokes about limping on and, you know, I've got one ovary that won't give up the race. Um, but just yesterday I landed in a new place and I wanted to share it with you all in case there was anyone else on this journey. And I landed in this place of a deep, deep honoring and actually respect and reverence for the work that I'm doing in healing my own mother line right now. And what I have dedicated my life to in terms of birthing the Priestess President's School of the Arts, which is now in its 10th year, and the thousands and thousands and thousands of women that we have had train with us as priestesses and become ceremonialists in their own communities in the reclamation of this this word priestess of the social role and function that this has been what has come through my lineage and so i think it's a very intricate nuanced dance that we get to do here that we really get to be Part of seeing our lives in an entirely different way, seeing ourselves in an entirely different way in this phase between mother and crone phase between mother and crone that now grows out of the fertile soil of those of us who are holding and birthing the seeds of the unmanifest dreams of our mothers and their mothers and their mothers the unmanifest dreams that were constricted and oppressed and unavailable certainly to my mother maybe to yours too that as we as a generation, the Gen is here amongst me and those who've come before and those who come after the baby boomers and the ones who are, ref- you know, in our lineage lines, it's, it's something that we're actually reclaiming and remembering in ourselves, this power of the queen or the empress, the one who is sitting in her power now and who is still a creatrix but is creating from a different frame and is also sitting in the fecundity of all that's been created in the wild, beautiful garden of herself that she has cultivated at this point in her life and is sitting in the center of that. And I think that's why I like the word empress, because in the tarot, the empress is exactly that. She is still fertile, but she is not fertile, giving birth to babies now. She has given birth to a culture, to an entire world, through her body, through her heart. And so this other word that's being used, and I've seen it in a number of different places, this word maga, M-A-G-A, which... <laughs> doesn't stand for make America great again, (laughs) just as ISIS doesn't stand for a faction of militia or guerrillas, but is a divine feminine name, obviously, of the goddess. The Maga, from the root word of the Magdalene, the Mag, is a Persian word for magic, the magician. And I love this idea that we are in the magicianship of our lives as we come into this phase, as we go from mother to maga to empress to queen, it denotes a level of mastery in self, which I think is really act- accurate. You know, as they say in England, you kind of long in the tooth, which denotes the horses who needed the, <laughs> their teeth filing down as they got older. Well, I don't need my teeth filing down, but at this phase of our lives, there is a self-referencing in terms of an internal sense of worth. One of the major, major shifts that I've noticed in myself and other women who are clearly in this archetypal phase, this third, fourth phase, sorry, third phase actually, right, It would be Maiden Mother Maga Crone. So the third phase of our lives is this um, inability <laughs> to waste energy on things that don't matter. The absolute clear no of the things that no longer serve, whether energy is imbalanced or whether relationship is imbalanced. Um, You know, a no to all the extraneous things that we would have done in the past that would have been done because they were exciting or because we feared missing out or because it meant that we got to be involved and be part of something. That doesn't seem to fly anymore. And then the other one that I've so noticed that just makes me giggle is the one where, <laughs> and even now I'm giggling, is the one where um, there's this beginning of no longer giving a damn what anyone else thinks. And I think that this one matures as we go into eldership and into the crone and we get to be the cranky, wise, cackling crone at some point. And I think the baby crones of the muggers or the <laughs> magicians, are that we know what the magic of life is. We, we know how to work with our own magic and with the magic of our worlds. We've studied ourselves. We've known ourselves. We've done the work to get to this place of sitting in a, a more joyful place where we're no longer so concerned about what other people think of us or whether we're, you know, what, what our bodies look like or how somebody's going to see us or not see us. Like there is this place where. There is a well-earned freedom that comes, that is kind of radical, that brings us back down to the roots of who we are, and um, is joyful. Now, it doesn't come without its trials and tribulations, that is for sure, especially navigating some of the wildness of this phase, of being untethered, of being tossed about, of being... Um, initiated and challenged to clear up the places in our lives, in our health, in our relationships, in our finances, in how we run our business affairs, in our love relationships, you name it. No stone unturned. No stone unturned. No stone unturned. That is what it means to be at this phase of our lives. Now, there's one of the piece around being a maga, magician, magdalene, which is so directly connected into the Red podcast, which is this, and you've heard me talk of it before, but the magdalene is a title, a title that we could say we, we earn, we bestow upon self when we reach a certain level of consciousness that is the watchtower woman or the tower of strength, fortified by our lives, tempered in the fires of our own initiations. We pick up the sword of discernment. We have this ability to hold center, to be a tower of strength for ourselves and for our communities and for others about how we're choosing to show up in the world. And we are Watchtower women. In other words, we gather in council to bring forward the guiding principles, if you will, of a new way of being in the world, that we are being called into counsel at this point in our lives. And I think that's part of what you're probably going to be seeing in yourself, is that the those that you're surrounded with, those that you want to be spending time with, are also women who are magas or queens or empresses. And when we gather together, oh my goodness, And I'm having this experience in my life too. It is delicious. It is extraordinarily nourishing. It is so potent to sit on the sovereign throne with all these other women who are also sitting on their sovereign thrones and bringing forward the artistry of their own medicine that they have been distilling throughout a lifetime of their own initiatory challenges and journeys and what they've had to go through and how they've had to work with themselves and what they've grown through, the traumas, the pain, the suffering, the grief, the loss, the joy, all of it. If Crone is the distillation of the essence of who we are, like a fine, fine wine that has been maturing in the bottle... The Maga or the Empress of the, or the Queen is the recognition that we're now decanted into a bottle that will start to have its maturation process, that we have done the work, the elixir has been made. It is now simply going to mature and become even more potent through the next phases of our lives. And that is a far cry from the messaging that we're given about what it means to sage or grow older or grow in our wisdom bodies. So this entire season of the Red Podcast is in some way dedicated to women who are standing in this phase of their life. And although it may not always be the overt question We may not be overtly discussing perimenopause into menopause or the queen, the empress, the maga. We are all examples, living examples of the embodiment of this phase of the life. And that is what I'm sharing with you this season, is the distillation, the um, alchemical elixir that comes in this third phase of our lives. And I'm really curious to hear from all of you what you notice about this phase and how you are being called to see yourself more clearly. And what these words, Queen, Empress, Maga, hold for you. And is there another word that maybe we are also reclaiming, because I feel like there is some feeling through the darkness into what is the archetypal energy that we are collectively birthing into consciousness through our lived experience. We are the daughters and the granddaughters and the great-great-granddaughters who are holding often unmanifested dreams and seeds of expression that many of our mothers and those who came before us were unable to make manifest or to birth into being. I dedicate this episode of the Red Podcast to all of our mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and great-great-grandmothers. And specifically... I dedicate this episode to my birth mother, my mom, who passed over in 2019, Margaret Ann Bourne. May everything that I have brought into being through this lifetime serve as a healing, as a gift to you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Red Podcast. It's been an honor to have you here with us. As Red women, we are here leading from the edges of our own evolution, birthing new worlds into being through our bodies, our hearts, our minds, and our beautiful presence. If you would like to be in contact with me, I love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at elaine.kalila or over on my website elainekalila.com. And lastly, I'd like to invite you if you loved this episode to go ahead and share this with someone that you think might enjoy it too. It's through us sharing our hearts with one another and inspiring one another that we reveal our red, that evolutionary edge that is just waiting to be fully expressed in all aspects of our world. Until next time, many, many blessings.